welcome to another episode of Business and Legal Q&A Live. I'm your host, Peter Lamont. Today is June 16th, 2015, and today we're going to be answering a question posted by Jonathan of Glens Falls, New York. It's a question that is frequently asked, so it's very, very important that you guys pay attention to this because the answers you're going to receive today are going to be helpful. The question he poses is, I can't afford my student loan payment and can't get a good-paying job. Will bankruptcy help? Well, here today to help us better understand the worsening student loan crisis is Leah Bell. She is a former teacher and a current business owner and the author of The Angry Grad, Your Guide to Student Loans, A Struggling Economy, and Becoming Your Own Boss. The Angry Grad, by the way, is now available on Amazon. And if you'd like to purchase the book, there's a link on our website at utlradio.com. You can purchase it directly from there or you can search it on Amazon. Before we get started and I introduce Leah, I just want to thank today's sponsor. Today's show is sponsored by Paychex. And if you need a trusted partner to help you with your payroll and employment taxes, give Paychex a try. We've been using them for years, and I really can't say enough about them. They handle all of our payroll processing and taxes. And uh, UTL Radio subscribers get one free month of payroll processing simply by signing up and using the link provided on utlradio.com. So check that out. And thanks to Paychex for sponsoring the show. Also, as a reminder, if you'd like to ask a question about any of the topics that we're going to talk about today, or if you'd like to speak to Leah live, you can call into the show at 347-855-8831. Leah, thank you so much for being on the show today and for writing The Angry Grad. Oh, thanks for having me, Peter. I'm really excited. Well, today's question is definitely a common one, and uh, I want to talk with you about the situation that so many students find themselves in, like Jonathan. But before we get to that, I just want to give a brief answer to Jonathan's question. Now, his question is, he apparently can't afford to pay his student loans, can't get a job that um, helps him pay that back and, and live at the same time. And so he's looking into the possibility of bankruptcy and will it help him? And the unfortunate reality is that um, most federally provided student loans cannot be discharged in a Chapter 7 bankruptcy. So you're stuck with this debt. And that's the reality that so many college grads now find themselves in with a mountain of debt. And that's really the premise of your book, The Angry Grad. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that. But before we get into the book itself, can you give me a little bit of background about yourself and what drove you to write the book? Sure. Yeah, I went to school. um, I went at 18 years old, I went to college just like so many other 18-year-olds do with the complete optimism of I'm going to graduate at 22, I'm going to get a great job and have this salary that's going to make it easy to pay my student loans back and then live a very successful life. And like so many others, you graduate and you realize there's not a lot of jobs out there. I went to school for education and in the area that I live, there was supposed to be a lot of retirements. Uh, in 2007 when I graduated and when I came out, it was right before the big stock market crash and everything, so nobody ended up retiring because they couldn't afford it. And unless I wanted to move you know, far away from family and friends and, and kind of do it on my own, um, there was just no jobs. So I ended up taking a few part-time jobs just to pay my rent, just to pay my student loans. I worked three jobs the first year out of college, and two of them didn't even require a college degree. And the third one was a tutoring job, so it, it helped that I had my degree, but it, it didn't even pay enough for me to live. So that was just the reality that I was hit with. And, you know, here I am eight years after graduation, and it's still not 
better. You know, there still weren't a lot of jobs. I ended up getting a job at a private school that paid very, very little, and I still needed multiple jobs, and that was a full-time teaching position where I had my own classroom. I had to spend nights and weekends doing lesson plans, and so I didn't have time to, to do another job. And this is just the sad reality of, of where we live. And so I went back to grad school in hopes to get more education to be more job-ready, and all I ended up with, with was more debt. And this is what so many young people are doing because there's this lack of education about education. You know, the only things that people will tell you, you know, your guidance counselors and people like that will tell you how to go about getting your loans. They'll tell you how to fill out a FAFSA. Um, they might help you out a little bit with scholarships and grants. But, you know, everybody pretty much has to take out some kind of loan. But nobody's telling you that, you know what, if you can't make those payments that you you won't be able to file bankruptcy, that you, you won't have any other options other than find jobs and pay them off. So mm-hmm. there's just a lot of misconceptions about education, and no one is, is fixing it. No one is stepping up and, and really educating people about higher education the whole picture. Everybody's telling them you have to get a degree. That's the only way to success. Just take out loans and worry about it later. And that's not the reality. So that's where I decided something needs to be done. And instead of just kind of going over in my head how upset I was about it and and looking up these statistics just to clarify that I'm not the only one, I thought, well, what if I put all of this information into a book and I can possibly help people to at least have a realistic expectation of what life is like post-graduation so that they can make a more informed decision. You know, I I think that the book is excellent. First of all, it's well-written, but the topics and and the way that you approach it, it really, um, it spoke to me because I went through the same thing. You know, before we went live, I was telling you that, you know, I still have law school debt and, uh, you know, you, I experienced the same thing as a, a postgraduate student going to a law school and, and not really understanding the implication of taking out a student loan. You know, it's so they hand them out like candy and you don't realize the implication because they don't explain that to you. Um, some of the stuff that's in the book is is really sort of hard hitting and it makes you think about whether or not, A, you need to go to college you know, does college do what everyone says it does? You know, are there other alternatives out there? And really just kind of, um, I think, is a must-read for kids and the parents that, that are leaving high school and looking into college. And there's that decision, do we take out a loan? Um, you know, I know it's it was a hard decision for my family because I didn't come from a very wealthy family. And we had to decide, what do we do to get me into college? So it's a scary thing, but the book really is something I think that should be a must-read. One of the things, Leah, that I like best about it is that, you know, it's written with you being angry in every chapter, (laughs) and, you know, there's a reason for it. It's a very uh, truthful and um, realistic book. It's not one of these things where it's a lot of fluff and nonsense. It really is hard-hitting and explains exactly what most people feel. So let's let's start from the beginning and just talk a little bit about this um, idea that if you don't go to college, you won't be a success. Let's let's talk about that. Okay. Well, like I said, I was a teacher for a while, and as I'm going through school and as I'm then becoming a teacher, 
you you start to realize that your your sole purpose, well, first, your sole purpose is to prepare them for state tests, but your second purpose is to make them college ready. And they don't teach you to evaluate the student and work toward what are their strengths, what are what are they good at, do they need a college degree for what they're good at, this or that. No one teaches you to evaluate the student and help them in the direction of their strengths. It's get them ready for college, get them ready for, you know, college entrance exams. Um, The study habits for college. Everything is about college, and nobody says stop and evaluate the individual student, and that's a problem. So, you know, like we were saying, if that's the only goal is to get people ready for college, we're not teaching them about life after college. We're not teaching them even how to balance it. You know, nobody really uses checkbooks anymore, but how to balance a budget how to, you know, figure out the money that's coming in versus going out. There's no financial education. There's there's no real-life skills that we're teaching these kids. We're just saying, learn this, memorize it, spit it back out on a test, and move on. And right. this is a problem because when kids get out into the real world, they are shocked. They They aren't used to having to take in information on their own and evaluate it and then make a decision you know, with no one guiding them, with nobody saying you have to learn this for a test and then you're done. Everything right. is so structured and they're very spoon-fed. It's not I'm not saying it's easy with what we make our kids do, the testing and, and everything. It's not easy, but it's very structured and we hand them what they need to learn and they need to learn it and then they're done. Well, in, in real life as adults, we know that that's not the case. You're given a lot of information at one time that you have to process and make a decision and that's why kids are freezing now. They're just, they have no idea what to do. And that's why when they get their student loan bills and they're thinking, I don't have the means to pay this and, and things like that. It's just, it's a big problem. Well, you know, when I was growing up, my mother always said to me when I was in high school, you know, you've got to, you got to do good because you've got to get into a good college. Because if you don't go to college, you're not going to get a good job. And one of the things that you touch on in the book is that, Uh, There are so many successful people in this world who did not go to college, some who didn't even finish high school, and are making more money and and, and have made more uh, of a success out of their lives than people who have spent years and money in college and post-grad. You know, and one one thing I want to say as a disclaimer, we're not suggesting anybody that you don't go to college. We're not saying that it's better if you don't, but we're just trying to explain what the guidance counselors and the schools don't tell you before you get yourself involved in a mountain of debt. So going back to my my mom for a second, when she was telling me, you've got to go to college because if you don't, you won't get, I mean, her famous line was, if you don't go to college, you're going to be a garbage man. And not to knock garbage men because they make a lot of money. But what do you think about that in today's day and age? That really, to me, doesn't hold water. It doesn't. Um, you know, 20, 30 years ago, we were in the industrial age. And my dad, who was a, a mailman, he saw everybody around him that went to college living a successful life. They had the nice house in the nice area of town. They took elaborate vacations. They did things that he wasn't able to do. And in his head, it was because they went to college and he didn't. So he drilled that into my head, you know, all through school, that that's what you have to do and that's we were in a transition but he didn't know nobody knew we were in a transition out of the industrial age when we were in it now we're in the information age things are different everyone has a college almost everyone has a college degree 
and even and there's a ton of people that have a master's degree now. Things have changed, but people people's mindsets have not. We're still living in that idea that if you get a degree, you're going to get a good job and you're going to be set. But there are so many other options now with people that don't have a degree. You know, there's you know there's trade schools or there there's you know the, the typical that have always been there. But now with the internet, there are so many opportunities to start a business. And people are being really successful. Like I said, like we were talking about in the book, Mark Zuckerberg, he dropped out of Harvard. I mean, if we were to look at that, you know, back in, that was probably, what, 2004, 2005 that he did that, mm-hmm. most people would look at him and think, you're going to ruin your life. You were in Harvard, you're a smart person, you're going to absolutely ruin your life if you drop out of college. And now looking at this, I'm pretty sure he's a billionaire, would, would people still say that? You know, right. things have changed, but people's mindsets have not. And also, if you look back 20, 30 years ago, somebody who went to college, even with inflation, even with, you know, think, yeah, everything's more expensive now, but the price of college has completely skyrocketed. It hasn't even just kept up with inflation. It is just astronomically priced. Yeah. And the reason for that is simple. If there's a demand for something, they can charge whatever they want. It's the, you know, like we said, the lenders are handing out like candy. Yep. So if the lending is there and you have immature people that if, if lending's being given out, they're going to take it, why would a college say, you know what, I'm going to cut your break. I'm going to only charge you $5,000 a year. Why would they do that? If these 18-year-old kids are handed $100,000, well, hey, let's charge $25,000 a year. Let's charge more. You know, they can do whatever they want. And without people questioning it, it's just going to keep continuing. Yeah. So we need to start questioning. We need to step back and say, you know what, do I really need that college degree? And if people start questioning and not as many people are going, maybe those institutions will start to decrease their prices. You know, you, you never know, but when we just continue like sheep, we just keep going, okay, this is what it is, let's just keep going. They're, the prices are going to continue astronomically. And, you know, I said in my book, I I read that there was a, a study done based on the College Board, um, the the, ri- the rise in prices over the past you know ten twenty years. If that continues, they figured out what the cost of college would be in two thousand. There was a whole chart, but I picked two thousand thirty-two because my son is going to be a year next month, and in two thousand thirty-two he'll be eighteen years old. So I looked at the chart for when he would be going to college, and for a public institution it was around 300 and some thousand dollars for a four-year degree if he wanted to go to a private school it would be in the 600,000 for a four-year degree this cannot continue this absolutely cannot continue and if if we don't question it it will and people will continue to, to take out loans for that amount because that's what you have to do that's what you have to do and you don't ask questions right you know, I think that that's, I mean, that's such a scary scenario to think about what it's going to cost to have a one or two or three-year-old. I have a, I have a, a kid going into eighth grade, I've got a nine-year-old, and then I've got a three-year-old. And so, you know, you, you think about that all the time. I think about, with my son, what are we going to do beyond high school? And I, I have said to him, um, you know, people have criticized me for this in my family, but I've said to him, listen, if you can get into a state school or a school that, you know, is a local college and you want to go do that, you're going to be able to save a ton of money. And I don't see the value anymore in going to a school where you're going to be spending 
hundreds of thousands of dollars because a there's not much difference between what you learn b there's not, there's not right and there's there's not much difference um with what you get out of it based upon the level of effort you put in but so many people go to school go to college they they rack up these loans they get a degree and then they don't do anything in their field and right. it's like well, what did i go to college for what did i spend all that money for and there's just so many misconceptions about the college you pick, the reasons you pick it. You know, I went to a private school, very, you know, well-known, had a good reputation, offered a 95% placement rate. I remember going in, my parents telling me, oh, they advertise that they have a 95% placement rate. I'm thinking, that's great. You know, what are my chances of being in the 5% that doesn't? When you hear the term placement rate, what's the first thing you think of? Oh, they're going to place me somewhere. Yeah. You know, that's the terms that they're using. Well, I did some research, you know, now, too late, but I did some research now on what placement rate actually means. And if they don't specify, they're very smart, if they don't specify employed in field of study or within six months, it means that it could be, you know, employed at McDonald's. It could be employed yeah. at Starbucks. Obviously, when you graduate college, you're going to get a job somewhere because you have these loans. As long as you get a job somewhere, cutting grass, it doesn't matter. You count as that 95%. If you go back to school because you can't find a job anywhere, that counts as that 95% placement rate. Placement rate means employed anywhere or enrolled in another college. And yeah, that's, so. again, a big misconception because anybody who graduates is either going to go back to school because they can't find a job or find some minimum wage job just to cover expenses. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, from a, a standpoint of looking at some sort of deceptive advertising, I mean, that's if if they did that to us on a consumer level with a product, somebody would be filing a lawsuit saying consumer fraud. Yet these colleges do it to our children all the time. And something that you said earlier, which is, I think, important to touch on, is you said immature people with respect to what you know is going on. They're giving these loans to immature people. And that's really not a, a derogatory thing. That's a, a no. realistic – these kids, and oftentimes their parents, they don't understand what they're getting themselves into. It's like kids that you – know, um, you know, I was into sports when I was younger. I did sports in college. And a lot of the kids that I was competing with, they were on steroids at a young age. And I think to myself, well, wait a minute. 20, 30 years from now, what's that going to do to you? But when you're a kid, you live forever and nothing matters. So, oh, yeah, I'll exactly. do it and I'll worry about it later. And that's what happens. That's that I'll incur the debt now and worry about it later. But talk a little bit about how that debt never gets paid down and never goes away. Well, that's the thing. You know, when you're 18 years old, like you said, you have this mentality that everything is going to be okay. And it's not always and it, it hits you when you get married. It hits you when you have a family that you want to be able to spend more time with them. You want to be able to take vacations and, and enroll your kids in sports. But when you have these payments and you can't afford it, that's when debt hits you. And at 18 years old, you have no clue what that's like. All you see is, you know, you watch TV and you see people, you know, waitressing living in New York City in a nice apartment, and you think, oh, that's possible. No, when you're a waitress, you... you tend to have to live at home. You know, these are the realities, but at 18 years old, 
without any financial education in our education system, which is is what's really frustrating to me, you leave without knowing about anything about paying taxes. You leave without knowing debt to income and credit cards and how to manage all of this stuff. You have no idea. So, yeah, they're they're a little bit immature when they do this. And what's frustrating is that, you know, at 30, 40 years old, you try to get a mortgage and you're jumping through hoops and, and you're having to submit all this paperwork, how much money you make, how much money is going out every month. You're pleading with the bank, please give me money so I can have a house. But yeah. at 18 years old, they're like, here, take double that amount and, you know, you'll pay it back. To someone who has no idea what they're doing, they don't have to provide any any information whatsoever that this is going to be a good investment. Yeah, it just, absolutely. It's, it's just baffling. If you want to get a business loan, you have to produce information that it's going to be a sustainable business, that you know what you're doing. With college, they say, oh, you're you're going to college? You you want to do this? Sure. How much do you want? You know, Fill out this form, check the promissory note, and, and you're good to go. And it's just... It's a very, very broken system. You know, I had a friend that I remember we'd go shopping during college, and I'm like, how do you have all this money to spend? I didn't have the money to spend. She said, I got my, you know, refund because, you know, the loan was, you know, say for $25,000 and her school was for $20,000, and they send you a check for the, for the remaining money. Now, yeah. what college kid is going to take that money and say, I'm going to hold on to this for next semester and put it toward education? Yeah. They don't do that. So my friend is out spending it. She's like, I'll pay it back later. I'll get a job. On clothes. So these are the decisions that 18, I'm not saying all 18-year-olds make, but without financial education and without a reality of, you know, what life is like when you have a family that you're trying to make ends meet and you have these 500 to $1,000 a month payments or more that you have to pay out every month for a degree that you aren't even working in the field that's when it hits you. But at that point, it's too late. You cannot file bankruptcy. You can't go back and make any changes. You just have to pay whatever it is. And one of the biggest problems that people don't understand, you know, and I still hear people say, well, you know, I think the average is around twenty-eight to 30000 is what the average person has in student debt when they graduate. So they'll look at that and they'll say, you know, that's that's not that bad when you, when you get a, a a job that pays thirty to forty thousand dollars a year over time, you know, it's worth it. Okay, maybe, but when you go on defer- into deferment or when you have to do income-based repayments, which if you ask any college student, the majority of them are on income-based repayments because they're not making enough to pay their full amount every month. So they evaluate how much you're making and they decrease your payment and. Some of them go down all the way to the point where they're only paying on interest. Right. So if you're if you're not working in a high-paying field, if you have a family, if you have kids, they take all that into consideration, and they'll bump it all the way down to where it's in, um, interest only. And you'll be jumping, you know, jumping up and down. Yes, look look how low our payments are. The kicker is you will never ever go a month in your life where you do not make a payment because those will never be paid off. Yep. So if you look at the end result. It, your your total will double, triple, quadruple. You're not going to owe twenty eight thousand anymore. You're going to owe sixty, ninety, one hundred twenty thousand dollars for that same degree, in which you're not working in the field. It's it's just this crazy problem that no one will talk about. But we're all struggling in it. We're all getting up every day and, and having anxiety about how we're ever going to pay this debt back. 
And so that's that's been my mission. I'm just going to call it like it is, and, and all the problems that are out there, I want to make sure that people know about it. I think it's so important that people do know about it because the, the topics that you touch on in the book and what we're talking about here, these are things that kids and their parents just don't hear. You're exactly right with respect to deferment. You know, yeah, you think, okay, I can go on this income-based repayment program where it's like a reverse pyramid, but all of this this debt is tacked onto the end of the loan, and now the interest accumulates so rapidly that you're right, a $30,000 initial debt is going to cost you sixty dollars to $90,000 over the life of the loan, and that's if you don't take any additional forbearance time. You know, exactly. They, and they make it so easy at the student loan uh, companies because ultimately what happens is you get a federally funded loan, but it's it's through a servicer, through a third-party company. And those people, you know, they make it very easy. Oh, you have deferment time or forbearance time. All right, let's throw it into that. And they tell you very quickly, by the way, you know, interest will still accumulate. So if you want to pay, you can. But meanwhile, you can't make your payment, which is why you're going that route in the first place. And then you see how that accumulates over time. So it's really frightening to, um, to, to see it that way. And, you know, you talked about your friend taking money on her rebate or refund check. I was in law school, and I remember not having enough money. I was working full-time, going to law school at night, not having enough money to buy my, my wife an engagement ring. And so I took my refund for one of the years, and that's how I bought her engagement ring. And at that moment, even as, I mean, I was, what, I, I guess I was 19 or 20 in law school, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to make so much money that this isn't going to make a difference. But it's just not true. you know. And so right. it's, it's just a, a problem. And that's what's so great about the book is that it, it talks to you and lets you in on what they don't teach you. Now, that leads me yeah. to another question for you. Do you think that it would be valuable for high schools to offer more of a life education course? I mean, I know they have like home ec and then they can talk to you about balancing your checkbook. And But do you think there's value in high schools, you know, creating this life education program where they actually have a course that teaches you about your future and, and the economy and student loans? You know, so A, do you think that they should do that? And B, if you do, do you think that they ever will? In short, A, yes, and B, no. <laughs> yes, I absolutely do think that, I think that would be the most important course that you could ever take in high school because regardless if you go into math, science, you know, English, no matter what direction you go after college, every single person is going to have to deal with those things. So why would that not be the first thing that they teach when 100% of your students are going to deal with it? You know, how many subjects do they teach that everybody says, when am I ever going to use this? That would be the one course that they could promise you will definitely use this in your life. But in answer to B, no, they will not. And the reason for that is they are too busy trying to teach to the state test. Um, right now, I, I believe that a lot of home ec courses are being removed from schools. Um, again, is everyone going to cook in their life? Yeah, they should probably have a clue how to do that. But that's not as important as ranking in their state for math and science and reading and writing. So they cut it. 
Um, I've heard other schools that cut art, music, anything that is not directly related to those tests are being cut. Uh, in elementary schools, recesses are being cut because they need to spend more time focusing on these tests. This is a problem. We are stressing the kids out so much, and then they leave and they have no real-life knowledge whatsoever. So until we get the state testing under control, until we get to the point where that whole um, process is, is being redone, where we're not basing school funding and teachers' positions on test scores, and we're actually going to create well-rounded students that that can learn about real life, that's just never going to happen. And so that's why I stress the importance of parents reading this book because it's it's ultimately going to fall onto the parents because, and it's not the teacher's fault, you know, they show up to school and their jobs are on the line because if their students don't reach a certain point, you know, a certain score, they could get fired. Um, yeah. The school could lose funding. It's it's a big deal. Um, so it's not the teacher's fault. It's at the government level. And if they keep saying that this is how education is going to be, that's what the teachers have to do. So it falls on the parents that when the kids come home at night, and, and I know it's going to be a battle because I know when I was in high school, when I was done with school, I was done with school. I didn't want to learn anymore. I wanted to, you know, hang out with my friends and, and do things like that. But, oh, my goodness, looking back 15 years ago, if I would know, if I would have known then what I know now, how my life could be different, how things could be different for my son, I would I would slap myself silly until I could get yeah. that information in my head. So it's just kind of a plea that I have with parents to step up and the things that the schools are not teaching your kids somehow make it fun, make it enjoyable, make it real to your kids and, and make sure that they know it before they step foot out their out your door at eighteen years old. Yeah, and that's why it's so important for parents to read the book because I think that as adults, you know, you go through life and your your daily routine is essentially treading water and just trying to get through the day. And then you come home and you're dealing with the kids. You know, and there's that that missed opportunity because you yourself are so stressed out dealing with the exact same problems that we're talking about now that that valuable information about life oftentimes does not make it to your kids because you're tired, they're tired. But reading a book right. like this and then, you know, handing it to your, your high schooler and say, you know, read this too, I think is a great idea because then you can connect on something that's so important. Now, as we were talking, um, a question came in through the chat board, and um, this question asks, and this goes back to something that we talked about earlier, where we were talking about whether or not a college degree is, is necessary for success. This person asks, how do you think employers look at no, to no college degree in, in, you know, in, the, in the current uh, day? Well, it totally depends on what type of employer, you know, if it's if it's obviously a school where you need to have a degree to be a teacher, but there's a lot of jobs out there where the job at hand doesn't necessarily require a degree. They're looking for a person who has a good work ethic, that knows what they're talking about, that shows that they're willing to do what it takes to get the job done. And that is more important now because, you know, I've I've read multiple articles where just this type of generation that's used to things being structured and, and this is how it is, two plus two equals four, and that's it. You know, they're coming into the workforce and they're not willing to go above and beyond. They, they just want to do what they think is necessary and, and leave. And 
they have a degree. So that's not necessarily what matters. So I would just say make sure that you are continuing to self-educate yourself. Know the new up-and-coming trends and, and the things that are going on in whatever field that you're in. And get in front of those employers and prove to them, if a college degree is not required, that you can do the job better than better than anyone because right. you're just determined. It's it's so much more of an investment to invest in the person than to invest in their degree or something like that. And, you know, even more so, my suggestion is don't necessarily always be looking for an employer. You can do so much on your own now. And with the economy the way that it is, it's very scary to be 100% dependent on an employer that every single day that you wake up, that you're hoping that they still need you. You know, that's a very scary way to live. You know, right now I'm working from home and I'm, I'm you know, able to be home with my son and then, and then work from home. But my husband has a job. And it's very scary that one turn of the economy and we could lose his income. That's a very scary thought, and that's the thought of so many Americans every single day. What if I wake up and it's 2008 again, and we have this collapse, and I lose my job? What, what am I going to do? Right. And that's that's not a way to live. There's so many opportunities online. Even if you do still want to have a job, even if you do still want to work for an employer, have something on the side that you're building so that if that day comes, you already have an income stream on the side and that you have the opportunity at that point to go full-time until you find another job or just make that full-time where, where you can kind of control the way that your business goes and if the economy takes a turn, you can adjust rather than just be laid off. Yeah. You know, I want to talk about options uh, on your own and things that you can do in a minute, but I just want to add one comment. You know, as, as somebody that hires people, because I hire people for my law firm all the time, it, the, the college that they went to or the law school that they went to, for me, is absolutely meaningless because you could go to Harvard and be an idiot. And I don't mean an idiot in an educational sense, but in a um, an everyday common sense life sense, you could be an idiot. So right. when I, as an employer, look at people that are coming in looking for a job – I look at the person, I look at their skills, I look at the way they communicate, the way that they act. I don't really care where they went to school. And so many kids, I think, that are graduating from college, the focus is on your resume and highlighting where you went to school and maybe your first job, maybe that traditional standard, you know, large company hiring, they look at where you went to school. But I'll tell you that when you are in business for a while, it doesn't make a difference where right. these people went to school. It's what can you bring to the table. I don't care if you went to college or didn't go to college because if you can do the job, then you're going to work here. That's how I view it. Exactly. And sometimes it can actually, not necessarily where you go, but the degree that you have can limit you. Uh, for example, whenever I, I got that job at the private school that I was talking about two years into it, they decided they were going to close. <laughs> so half the teachers lost their jobs, half the teachers um, went over to another school. And so I had actually just said, you know what, it, it wasn't enough money for me. Anyway, I had to travel about 30 minutes away, and I was using a lot of gas. My husband was still in college. It just wasn't worth it for me. So I, I figured, you know, I'm just going to go try to find try to find something else. 
so I, I found a sales job through someone that I knew, and they recommended me for it. And after the interview and everything, they, they really liked me, so they, they brought me on board. But my manager later, probably about six months later, told me that if I had just sent my resume in with an elementary education degree for a sales and marketing position, he said, I would have thrown that in the garbage. He said, there's no way that I would have brought in an elementary education major for a marketing job. Even though there were no teaching jobs for me to do, I had no other option to go outside my field. But employers will look at something and say, this isn't what I'm looking for, and they'll throw it away. Even though afterwards, he's like, I'm so happy that I brought you on. You were really great in sales. It was definitely probably what you should have done in the first place. But it can limit you. So, you know, you don't want to pick a degree that's too narrow to where if there's no jobs, you can't get another one. But if you pick one too broad, then they say you're not specified enough. So it can be a problem either way. So I would just say don't focus so much on, yeah, like where you go, the degree that you have. Market yourself. Self-educate and, and do what you need to do that employers will want you to be a part of their team, not necessarily for the degree that you have because you can always learn and get new training and, and be what they need you to be. Become the person that they would want on their team. Right, exactly. There's a funny commercial, I don't know if you've seen it, where there's a whole bunch of men in a waiting room waiting for an interview, and the one guy realizes that all the pictures of the people in the office are bald, so he goes and yeah. shaves his head. Have you seen that commercial? So, I have. I, mean, I love that commercial. Yeah. Um, let's talk for a second about alternatives. Now, there is a, a lot of information out there on the Internet about passive income streams and how you can make money outside of college. Talk for a little bit, if you will, about these alternative ways of making money in this information age because, like you said at the beginning of the show, with the Internet and, and the age that we're in right now, you can go out, you can start your own business, and it doesn't need to be a brick-and-mortar, you know, you're making pizza place or, or right. you're an accountant. There's so much you can do through the Internet. Let's talk for a second about that. What's some of your experience with building a business and passive income and how people can make money outside of the traditional realm? Well, first off, there's so many options for how to self-educate online. You don't have to try to go take a, a, a course somewhere or find someone to teach you. If you want to learn something, you go to Google and you ask the question and there will be thousands of resources at your fingertips for free. And that's why I think college frustrates me because you're paying so much money for you know, an education all over the place when if, if you want to learn something specific, go to Google. And yeah, you get the screen and make sure that you, you pick one that's reputable, but the information's out there. But no matter no matter what type of business you'd want to do, you can learn everything there is to know about that topic just from just from going to Google. So so say you want to do an online store. This is this is my favorite income stream, I think. You know, because this is something that I've I've done. And if you don't want if you don't want to have inventory, if you don't want to create your own products because you're very limited in capital, which aren't we all? So if if that's something that you want to do, there's something called drop shipping. This is where you sign an account with um, a company that already has products. You can get them at wholesale prices, but instead of buying a huge inventory of wholesale priced items and keeping them in your basement and hoping that they sell, you don't have to do that. You simply put the items on your website 
you set a price, and if people buy them, the order comes through, you know, in your database, and you go to that original website, you place the order at the wholesale price, and you have it shipped directly to the consumer, and you keep the profit because they they pay you first, and then you go and order it. So there's a ton of information out there if, if your listeners want to learn more about drop shipping. But this is something that college students can do to bring in money through college. This is something high school students can do. It's very, very simple. All you have to do is learn how to market your website and bring people to it, which, again, you can you can learn all about bringing traffic to your website online. So that's one way. You can do blogs and podcasts and things like that if you're really interested in a certain topic. It doesn't even have to be a real serious topic. If, if you, you know, really like juggling, you know, something like that, you can do a whole website about it. You can do YouTube videos teaching people how to do it, and you can make money with that. So we're we're at a point in this, this transition where, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago, you had to pick a very serious career, and you had to to go for it and, and learn the traditional way that was really expensive. But now anything at all that you are interested in that you want to try to monetize, there's a way to do it online. And all you have to do is take the time out to learn. And my, my biggest piece of advice for you know, someone in high school is talk to your parents. Make sure it's okay with them. You know, you might want to get a part-time job just to to pay some basic bills, but if before you have a family, before you get married, before you have a lot of expenses, if you can live at home and you can do this self-education and try to get a business off the ground, there is no time like an 18-year-old before starting a family and before having a huge list of responsibilities and financial obligations where you have the capability to do something like that. And then it, it, it can just grow beyond your wildest dreams. I mean, there's there's kids making money on YouTube, a lot of money on YouTube. Yeah. And so, you know, my advice is just get online and learn about the multiple ways to make money. And, and in my book, we talk about a lot of different ways. You know, even, even learning the stock market and, and how to do day trading. I mean, my husband's self-educating himself in that right now. He didn't go to school for anything like that. He hasn't taken any tests or anything, but He's doing really well, and he's he's just he has that mind for it. But he every day after work, he comes home and he watches how-to videos and, and reads about it. And every day he learns something. Yeah. And I think that's what we've kind of gotten away from is that love of learning, because so many people tell us you have to learn this. Well, that kind of takes the fun out of it. But if you're interested in something and you believe in yourself, you can learn anything right now. Yeah, it's really the best advice that that you know you could give to to our listeners because it's really true. I have learned to do electrical work. I've learned to do you know a whole host of of um, you know handyman skills through watching. Um, we have a YouTube channel and we give people information about the law and how to do certain things. And we've received a ton of feedback from people who are saying you know we watch these videos and we learn about it and it's great. Thanks. So there's so many ways out there that you can do it, and um, I think that what you said about being 18, man, if I could only go back to being 18 with what I know now, my life would be completely different. And um, Oh, absolutely. You know, there's, there's no such thing anymore, in my opinion, as being too young to start a business, because like you said, there's a ton of kids making 
a ton of money on YouTube doing video game channels and things that interest kids, but yet it's generating revenue. So there's so many exactly. options. Now, yeah, there's um, nothing that's too, you know, unprofessional to make money. There, you can make money with literally anything. So even yeah. if you have an interest that 20 years ago someone would have laughed in your face about with the idea of making a business out of it, that's not the case anymore. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Lee, I want to thank you so much for being on today. I want to thank you for your time and for writing the book. I really think that if you have a kid going into college or finishing high school, as a parent, you need to read the book, and then you need to pass the book on to your kids because it is going to give you such insight into reality, not pipe dreams, not what you see on TV, but reality from somebody who has been there both as a student and as an educator, which is a unique perspective that this book offers, um, being that, that you are or, or were a teacher, I mean, you get it, which is great. And I think that what you said about prepping kids for college is absolutely spot on because my kids, you know, again, they're 3, 9, and, and 13. Um, I've seen that where they don't even finish curriculum that they were going to do because they want to just prep you for the test. So, um Everybody out there with kids, this is a book you need to pick up. Liv, can you tell people how they can get in touch with you if they have additional questions? Sure. They can either email me directly at theangrygrad at gmail.com or they can go to my website, www.theangrygrad.com, and there's a contact me page on there. And there's also a link on, uh, to my book from my website, and then you said also on your site as well. Yep, and we'll put links to um, you know your contact information in the show notes as well. And uh, we did show uh, your website up on because we're also broadcasting live on YouTube Live. So we did uh, you know give some some screenshots of of your site so people can contact you. But we'll drop everything in the show notes too. Leah, I want to okay, and you can also you. tweet at um at Angry Grad Book. Got it. All right. So we'll uh, we'll pass that information along. Thank you so much again for being on. It was really a pleasure. I think you bring so much to the table. It's a great book and uh, and something that everybody should pick up. So thank you, and I, I wish you the best of success with the book. Thank you, Peter. I appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. So, I mean, we just talked with Leah Bell about her book, The Angry Grad, and explained so many things that I think are so key to kids and parents moving forward in the modern age with respect to school. I mean, she's got it all right in the book. Um, first of all, it's a good, quick read, but certainly what I think attracts me to the book is the honesty behind it, because that's the kind of person that I am. And in all of my videos and in all of our, our broadcasts or podcasts, um, the thing that I hope that comes through with me is, is honesty because I'm going to tell you how I feel. I'm going to say it like it is. That's what this book does. You know, you can't sugarcoat things. And, and I can't stand that when you have somebody trying to, you know, quote unquote, educate you on a topic. And yet it's filled with fluff and nonsense. And it's not reality. Because why would I do that just to appeal to your senses so that you want to watch it or whatever you know, I want to tell you the truth, and that's what this book does. So you can pick the book up again on Amazon.com. There's a link on uh, our site, UTL Radio. 
Um, but really, I think something you need to think about, and there's a ton of information, as Leah said, about um, alternate means of making money. But, you know, if you are thinking along the lines of going to school, which is completely fine. I mean, I'm, again, we're not saying at all, don't go to college. It's a waste of money. Not saying that at all. But be educated about where you go. Think about it before you incur a ton of debt that is going to haunt you for years and years to come. And it's just this albatross around your neck that you cannot get off. Think about it. You know, and if you are going to go to college, like she said, go and look into starting some sort of revenue stream that doesn't involve you actually being in a physical brick and mortar location. You know, look into something like drop shipping, look into ways that you can promote yourself or make money on the internet as a side business while you're still going to school. Because you know what? There is so much potential out here in, in internet world today. Uh, you just need to educate yourself. And that's the key factor I think that's missing in school is education. You can learn facts and memorize things and help you, you know, learn how to take uh, tests and, and test-taking strategy. Where does that apply in the real world? And I, I say uh, it doesn't. I don't even think, quite honestly, that law school applies to the practice of law. Ask any lawyer out there, and they're going to tell you that the majority of what you learn in law school has absolutely no bearing, no relevance on practicing law. And it's, a, it's just an exercise in futility as far as I'm concerned. You know, I, I think that law school could be a year, and most of it you could do on your own. But you, that love of learning, that, that idea of educating yourself, you know, I think that it's time for people to stop thinking about oh, I'm, I don't like learning, I don't like school, you know, I'm not a good student. Well, we're all students of life, and there are things to educate yourself on that do not necessarily involve formal schooling. You know, Leah, Leah said it. Go to Google. Look at YouTube. Again, not everything's true on the Internet, right? The guy that you met on the Internet is not a French model, but there's enough out there that you can with a reasonable amount of intelligence, say, this seems to be a valid resource, this does not. And question everything. Don't accept what people tell you. Don't accept the norm. Don't accept the standard. Don't accept what you think you must do in order to conform. Be an outside-the-box thinker, but on a big scale. Realize that, you know, you have one life. You have one opportunity to make something out of what God has given you. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to move forward. Don't be afraid to, to question and challenge. Don't be afraid to buck the system and say, why do I want to incur $45,000 worth of debt? I graduated college with a degree in communications and broadcast journalism. And I'm not doing that. I'm a lawyer. How did that translate? Well, you know, there's no connection. And again, what I learned in law school has zero bearing on what I do as a profession. I didn't learn anything in law school beyond, you know, how to think a little bit like a lawyer. Nothing that, that really prepares you for being a lawyer, you know, and that's my opinion. So challenge, question, and just 
don't set limits for yourself. You know, if you have a vision, an idea, something you like, go for it. Research it, educate yourself on it, and look at ways to make money without the traditional you know, educational system. Just think about that. Again, I don't think it's a bad idea to go to college. I just say, make sure you think about it. You know, my kids, I'm going to send them to college if they want to go. I would not force them. Obviously, you know, you don't want a slacker. You want somebody that's going to be motivated. But motivation doesn't necessarily mean college. It could be other things. But when my kids, it's their time to go to college and they want to go, I'm not going to suggest to them they incur mountains of debt. I'm going to say go to a cheaper school. Do this, do that, and and challenge it and question that's the way that you're going to succeed in life. Question everything is really how I, I you know, kind of see where we are right now. It's it's a world where you need to question everything. So that's my two cents on the topic that we discussed today. Um, I want to thank Jonathan from Glens Falls for submitting his question. And I also want to uh, thank Leah Bell for being with us today. Again, she's the author of The Angry Grad. And you can pick up a copy of that book on Amazon. There's links to the book on utlradio.com. And I'll drop in the show notes ways for you to contact Leah. Well, that's going to do it for today's show. I want to thank you all for tuning in, for listening. I want to remind you that you can submit your own questions through email on Twitter, through YouTube, by putting a comment in the YouTube video, or by using the link, Ask Your Question, on utlradio.com, where you could ask your question directly into your computer, record your voice, we get a copy of it, and we could play it live on air. If you are interested in doing that, if you don't want to be live on air, then just keep your questions coming. We are doing our best to get through as many questions as we can. Um, This was a very important topic, I think very apropos, with graduation either happening right now or maybe you graduated last week or you're graduating next week. So it's the right time to do it. Uh, Leah certainly picked a good time for her book to come out. And I really do honestly believe that it's something that is worth reading. There was some good material in that book. And I don't recommend things if I don't believe in it. Um, you know, I'm not getting paid by Leah to talk about her book. I really believe in what she said in the book, and, and I think it was a well-written, um, good book. So check that out. Again, The Angry Grad. Thanks again for tuning in. Don't forget to tune in the rest of the week. We have additional interviews scheduled this week. We also are moving forward with um, what I talked about yesterday, our new music show, which is going to be airing on Wednesdays. And it's called On a Different Note. We're going to be talking to musicians and uh, artists, bands, about their music, about their experiences in business and in law. And we have um, a a number of uh, requests out there for guests. We're working on building our guest list. We have some really great people lined up. I'm really excited about it. It's going to be a half-hour show. It's going to be with myself and my co-host, Bob Hughes, who does the Week in Review show with me on Mondays. So check that out. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow at 10 a.m. And um, pay attention to the schedule that's going to be posted on utlradio.com because we have a number of great guests, both, both for the Thursday Understanding Business show and for our new show, the Wednesday on a different note. 
So I want to thank you again. Thanks for downloading. Please don't forget to subscribe to this show on iTunes and subscribe to the YouTube channel so that you are notified when new videos and podcasts are released. Thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate it. Until next time, remember that there's power in understanding the law.